Hey, Donovan. I'm a New Yorker, so I'm going to be blunt. I saw an alien. I know that sounds out of this world, no pun intended. Because I'm not some rusty old farmer whose cows keep getting chopped up in crop circles. But I straight up saw an alien, more than once. I like to garden. The building I live in has a rooftop garden. Mostly herbs and vegetables, because food is so damn expensive now. It gets pretty crowded up on the roof, with all the tenants who want fresh air. So I do most of the gardening late at night. I even made the super install motion-activated floodlights up there for me, so I don't have to worry about bringing my own light. I've been retired for seven years, so I don't mind staying up late if it means I get the whole roof to myself. Not too many places in the city you can go for fresh air and have the place all to yourself. Anyways, I'm up on the roof digging into some mint when the floodlights start going haywire. They're flickering like it's a disco party. I'm three seconds away from throwing my shoe at them when the bulbs burst. A spark hit me in the back of the neck and gave me this burn. This really put me over the edge because I was already in a bad mood. Some of the younger tenants in my building like to crack open a few drinks on the roof after work. Nothing wrong with that, but tonight they were being pretty loud, and they left a bunch of cans in the planning beds and left. Total scumbags. I take my phone out to give the superintendent a piece of my mind about his cheap lights and littering tenants. But my phone just gives me this static and flickers on and off. At this point, I'm pretty sure I'm about to see a ghost because I've watched enough paranormal movies to know how this goes. But then everything just goes black. And I mean everything. The whole block goes dark. New York never actually gets pitch black. But everything around me was out. All I could see were stars. A power outage is scarier than a ghost if you ask me. So I'm pissed. The elevators aren't going to work. And I can't risk going down the stairs in the dark with my bad hip. I can't even use my phone as a flashlight because that thing isn't working either. So I have to sit on the roof in the dark by myself. The air started to hum. It sounded like an old computer overheating. It wasn't loud, but it was everywhere. I couldn't figure out what direction the humming was coming from. Then a silvery fog surrounded the roof. I was more than a little freaked out. The roof always has a pleasant earthy aroma, but now it smelled like wet, rotting plants. Not swampy, but cold dirt and decaying plant matter. I saw something gliding in the mist towards me. It was short, with a round head and a stomach. Its arms and legs were thin. These large black eyes looked me up and down like a Sunday chop. I thought maybe I fell over and smacked my head when that spark hit me. And this was all just a hallucination. Sadly, I didn't have head trauma. That little round guy reached out with a single long finger. I stepped back and fell into my own planning trough. The alien prodded me in my hip with its extended finger. Then it compared it to my other hip. Somehow this creature was able to tell that I had hip replacement just by looking at me. It made me a little nervous about what else it could see through with its black orby eyes. I got out of the planner and limped away from this alien without taking my eyes off of it. It did not seem very concerned with me anymore. Its attention was now on the mint plants I had crushed by falling on them. A long-fingered hand reached in and grabbed a handful of crushed mint leaves. The alien's fingers sizzled gently, but it didn't seem to be in any pain. It just turned its hand over and analyzed the leaves. 
I wasn't interested in the spectacle anymore. All of this close encounters with the fourth kind stuff was above my pay grade. So I walked towards the stairs. But the farther away I got from the alien, the thicker the silvery fog became. I tried to walk through it, where the stairs would be, but I felt resistance. It was like walking through jello. The closer to the edge I got, the thicker it became. It quickly became too strong to fight, and I stopped walking. My body slid back to the center of the roof, like the alien was the center of some kind of gravity field. The alien didn't even spare me a glance. It just kept analyzing all the different plants in the garden. I had to just stand there and wait, not knowing what to do. It was surreal. Here I was with a species from another planet, and it felt almost comical like an awkward situation out of Seinfeld. Eventually, the humming returned, and the fog retracted like it was being sucked up by a vacuum. The alien disappeared with the fog. I didn't see any kind of ship or spacecraft, but at that point where the mist disappeared, there was a blank darkness that blocked out the stars behind it. The edges of it vibrated slightly. A bright silver light cut on and then shot straight up into the sky, made a 90-degree turn without slowing down, and shot off into the horizon like a firework. I sat on that roof until dawn, not knowing what the hell to think. The building super showed up and told me that my phone had left him a voicemail, which sounded like sonar signals. I got calls the rest of the day from people saved in my contacts, telling me the same thing. I think the Pentagon should be paying more attention to this kind of stuff. How's it going, Donovan? I got a hell of a story for you. Most people don't believe me, but it happened two years ago. I'm a pretty heavy outdoorsman. Hunting, fishing, hiking, the whole nine yards. I even do some real niche activities too, like snake hunting. I haven't met too many other snake hunters. Most people don't even know it's a thing that you can do. Where I'm from, you can catch timber rattlesnakes if they are at least two feet long. Calling it hunting might be misleading. It's more like a scavenger hunt. I go out with a hollow plastic tube that has a mark at the two-foot line and a pair of snake tongs. To put it simply, I grab the snake and the tongs, pop it into the tube, and if it's past that two-foot mark, I get to keep it and make a belt out of it. The best place to find rattlers is in the rocks. Timber rattlesnakes are not as aggressive as their more famous western cousins. They are very shy, so if you want to catch them, you have to be real sneaky and grab them when they're basking in the sun on rock knolls. The trick to know is which rock piles get sun exposure at which points in the day, so you can skulk around them and hopefully get lucky. I was stalking all my usual knolls when things started to get weird. This was all on public land, in a state forest. I'm not going to say which one, because I don't want internet yahoos traipsing around my backyard and getting themselves killed looking for what I encountered. When I got to my first rock pile, everything was silent. No birds, no bugs, no nothing. Then, as if a gun went off to start a race, three sizable rattlers came out of the rocks and hauled ass downhill. I've never seen snakes act like that before. They usually bury themselves deeper when threatened, but I didn't think I was loud enough to spook them either way. I picked my way down the trail in the direction the snakes went. I was careful where I stepped, because I didn't want to come up on those snakes unprepared. I'm crazy, but I'm not stupid. The trail took me up a ridge and down into an open valley with a creek running along the bottom. The creek was split into a fork, 
by a large rock formation in the center. I stopped in my tracks when I saw at least a dozen rattlesnakes perched on the rocks. It was an absolute gold mine, but I was nervous about how I would approach that many snakes. Like I said, the timber rattlers are less aggressive than other species, but that doesn't mean I want to get stuck in the middle of a crowd of them. I waded into the creek and slowly approached the rocks. I was more concerned with being quiet than visible. I'm pretty sure snakes have a crappy eyesight. At least that's what I've always heard. I wasn't planning on being greedy. I just wanted to grab the nearest snake and maybe snap a picture or two of the snake party for my buddies. But then all the snakes lifted their head in unison and glared at something behind me. Rattles and hisses were all I could hear. I wanted to look behind me, but I was also afraid of turning my back on a batch of irritated rattlesnakes. The sounds of splashing became close enough that I knew whatever the snakes were hissing at was right behind me. I could feel hot breath on the back of my neck. All the snakes suddenly became quiet. Everything was silent except for short, snorting breaths of the thing behind me that was taking in my scent. When I was finally man enough to turn around, I got the shock of my life. I was prepared for a bear or a hog. Both of those things would have been pretty scary enough. But what I saw looking back at me was horrifying. Yellow slitted eyes with black pupils looked down on me with this curiosity. Its skin was grayish green and covered in rough scales like an alligator. The snout was lizard-like and filled with pointed teeth. The reptile thing towered over me, easily seven or eight feet tall. Huge black claws were at the ends of both hands, and they slowly reached for me. I panicked and flung my snake tongs in the tube at the reptilian, and then dove deeper into the creek. I half swam and ran in the waist-deep water until I got to the bank and sprinted up the ridge to the path. I ran down the path until my legs burned. I was back near the first rock pile where this whole mess started. I hid inside a divot in the rocks that made a crawl space size cave. I could hear this creature sniffing the air. It casually followed my trail. A black-clawed foot stepped onto a space right in front of my hiding spot. I could barely fit into this space, so I knew the creature didn't have much of a chance to get me. It stood there at the mouth of the opening, sniffing and lapping air with its tongue. The creature kept me there for hours. I even got a picture of its foot. I started to lose it. All I could think about was the scene from Jurassic Park, when the raptors stalked the kids through the park. I wanted to laugh and cry all at once. Eventually, it just walked off. I stayed in place for hours afterward, until I heard the voice of my wife and oldest son calling my name. They were worried and had come looking for me. I sprinted out of that hole and got them out of the woods as fast as I could. I was not about to risk my family running into that creature. Anyway, that's my story. When I got home, I hoped I was just crazy, and I wish I didn't have that picture I took. Then maybe I could tell myself I lost my mind for an afternoon. I can't stop thinking about what else might be out there. Camping is a big part of my life. I'm a Jersey boy, not far from Trenton. So most of my life is a congested mess of traffic on the Garden State Parkway and stoplights for as far as the eye can see. I love the city life, but it gets crowded. I need to recharge my batteries every now and then. Going out in the woods by myself is the perfect form of therapy. My family used to think it was weird when I would go camping alone. 
but over the years they've just accepted it as one of my many quirks. I've even taken my younger siblings out with me, but it never stuck. They'd rather stay home and play video games. No one else in my family is into the outdoors. They are born and bred city people. I was exposed to the outdoors after watching a documentary on Yellowstone. Since then, I've had an intense interest in the wild. Few people realize that Jersey actually has a lot to offer in terms of nature. The Pine Barrens is a huge tract of wilderness that is seldom explored. Whenever the city is getting to me, I don't have time or the funds to plan an elaborate wilderness excursion. I just run to the Pine Barrens. I typically go every few weeks, and I explore a lot of different sections each visit. I have a very detailed map of the area, and I mark off each section that I've camped in and hiked through. I was planning on stepping foot of every inch of ground in the park, but now I think I've seen enough. My last trip in the Pines started off as it normally did. I was in the southern part of the Pines called Wharton State Forest. It was a favorite of mine because it's one of the biggest continuous sections of wilderness in the state of New Jersey. The hike in was beautiful, and my first night I slept soundly with no issues. I made good time getting to my first campsite, so I decided to hike further into the forest and stay another night before making my way back the following morning. There are some great wilderness campgrounds in Wharton that are only accessible by kayak. I rented one from the recreational grounds and paddled out to the less traveled parts of the forest. It's a beautiful area with all kinds of interesting wildlife, but as I approached the riverbank, I felt like something malicious was watching me from the underbrush. At the time, I thought I was just being stupid. An experienced outdoorsman should not be scared by superstitious feelings, but alarm bells were going off in my head. The sun was beginning to set as I pulled my kayak up onto the bank and tied it off. I caught glimpses of faintly glowing eyes in the dark out of the corner of my eyes. I laughed at myself for being paranoid. I thought my mind was playing tricks on me. It was warm, but I opted to set up my full tent instead of just a tarp. My nerves were on edge, and I slept uneasily. I couldn't put a finger on why I was so anxious. Then I realized the forest was utterly silent. No hum of bugs or chirping crickets. I poked my head out of my tent to see if I could hear anything. A hot, dry wind prickled the skin on my face, and the smell of sulfur hit my nose. A pair of faintly glowing eyes peered out at me, low in the tree line. Some predatory creature was stalking me. I watched in terror as the eyes floated up in the dark several feet above where a normal person's head would be. The creature stepped out of the trees, and I saw its horse-like head slide into the light. I let out an involuntary gasp, and the creature's leathery wings snapped open. It opened its mouth and let out this growl. Steam vented from its throat, like it had a small fire inside of its belly. I ran for the kayak. It was a short run, but I smashed through the underbrush and cut up my unprotected legs. I almost had a heart attack trying to undo the knot that tethered the kayak. I pushed the boat into the water and jumped on. I was about halfway across the river when I heard the beating of giant wings. It sounded like flags snapping in the wind. The creature was circling above my boat like a massive vulture. I could make out the faint glow of its eyes and puffs of smoke hanging in the air. It dived for me like a hawk. I jumped out of the kayak and hung off the side. It smacked into the kayak, causing it to bounce against my head and bust up my face. Some water must have splashed on the creature. I heard a sizzle like water on a hot pan. 
and a high-pitched screech from the creature. It beat its wings and went back to circling me in the sky. I was halfway across the river and I decided I was better off swimming the rest of the way. There is very little current, so I made it to the opposite river bank without trouble. I knew the creature did not like water, so I used the rope for tethering the kayak to myself. So I used the rope for tethering the kayak to myself to some tree roots at the edge of the water. I finally relaxed and just kept my head out of the water. The creature landed on a tree above me. I couldn't see it, but the sulfur smell and hot, dry air hung around for several hours. Eventually, I heard the snapping of wings, and whatever it was flew off. I've never been more relieved in my life. I made it back to the more populated area of the park, and some nice hikers gave me a spare set of clothes. I told them my canoe got overturned on the river when they asked what happened to me. I didn't think anyone would believe what happened to me until I came across your channel. Hello, Donovan. I'd like to share a story of the paranormal that happened to me back in 1982 in Connecticut. I was working a second shift and I was on my way home about 10 p.m. I drove an AMC Gremlin at the time. Suddenly, I look at my rearview mirror and there was a man sitting behind me with no face. Where his face was supposed to be was just darkness. My eyes welled up with water uncontrollably, as if I was crying, but I wasn't. It was true fright. I slammed on the brakes and turned around really quick in my seat, and no one was there. I mentioned that I drove a gremlin, because anyone who knows about those cars knew the back seat was basically useless. There was really no room, maybe just for kids, so for a man to be sitting back there would be impossible. I sat for a moment trying to get myself together, trying to justify to myself that it was just a weird reflection of some sort, so I continued on my drive home. I picked up the pace a bit and I just wanted to get home. I was almost on my street when he appeared again in my back seat. I slammed on the brakes again and turned to my seat and he was gone. I was so freaked out, I drove my gremlin up on my street so fast, I skidded to a stop and ran into the house. I never told anybody about it. To this day, I have to drive with my rearview mirror set to night vision. Whenever I'm alone in the car at night, I get freaked out that it may happen again. Well, years later, I was working for DHL, the courier company. In the early days, we drove vans that were only equipped with AM radios. One Halloween while I was working the day shift at DHL, I was listening to a local radio station, and they were interviewing the Warrens, the famous ghost hunters. One caller asked Mrs. Warren, what's the difference between a good ghost and a bad ghost? She said a bad ghost has no face. I got my answer several years later. It sent a chill down my spine. I've had a lifetime of paranormal activity. I grew up in a haunted house, and I'm still dealing with it to this day. I don't go looking for it, but somehow it just finds me. We could be here all night with the stories that I could tell you. I think because I have clear audience, the ability to hear spirits, that that's the reason it's been happening to me my entire life. Thank God I have the ability to turn it on and off. If you would like to hear other stories, let me know. I'd be happy to share them. Let me know what you think about these stories in the comments below. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. 
If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dred's Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.